1: conditions apply need to hire you need indeed
2: sure there's a a big quarterback battle happening amongst the auburn football team but who else is impacted by who wins this thing well zach
0: i I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm and i'm i'm freaking ready to rock and roll you are locked on auburn your daily podcast on the auburn tigers part of the locked on podcast network
1: your team every day
2: Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackman. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. It's Friday, so it's a Ferg Friday. So we are joined by Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer and Jay Ferg. I thought we would jump into some listener questions, and then we'll mm-hmm. kind of talk about um, the NFL draft this weekend, if that's cool. With you. All right, so a narrative that I have heard that's kind of emerged ever since this quarterback battle has kind of taken flight was, does it matter who wins the job as it pertains to, like, the wide receivers or the running backs and the tight ends? So, like, you know, if if Calzada comes in and works with the twos, or is there a chance if he builds chemistry with another receiver that maybe wasn't a starter, will they elevate? So, Jamie C's question is, can you guys predict how the skill positions on offense could be used differently, assuming a quarterback um, wins the job? Is, is there any merit to this talking point, or is this just off-season chatter in your mind? Uh,
3: I don't think there's a ton of merit to it, because the thing about it is, is in this battle, everybody's working with everybody. Right. Yeah. We may see, like on A-Day or, you know, in certain, we may see this guy's working with th- these receivers at this point in time, but they are m- rotating it around right? Um, yeah. Every receiver is kind of getting reps with every quarterback and every quarterback's getting reps, not just with the wide receivers, but with the different guys that running back offensive line, tight ends. It was pretty even in spring in spring practices. Um, there might've been an order, right? Where you're, sure. you know, TJ Finley would go first and then, you know, Robbie Ashford, and then you would have uh, Gerner and, um, and Calzada in the back. But wide receivers were constantly rotating tight ends were constantly rotating um you know if, if you wanted to see a guy throw to another guy you were probably going to catch it like all you had to do was just stand out there long enough and, and it was going to happen so um you no know, I, I mean i think that when we get into fall camp it's gonna be everybody with everybody just like it was in the spring i think in the summer when you talk about quarterbacks working with wide receivers specifically yeah uh in the player-led stuff i mean it's all one big pool and you everybody just goes out and works with it. So. I don't particularly see a situation where it's like, well, this guy wasn't a starter, but he was working with a guy who wasn't the, who wasn't a starter, and then now they're start like I I I don't see that kind of case because that's not how they've kind of run this battle. This battle has been very even and kind of rotating. You know, maybe a guy like Finley gets more first team reps, but watch drills, watch stuff like that. Like there was a lot of mixing and matching going on out there. Sure. So, do you think
2: with wide receiver? Obviously, wide receiver is a very different. Uh, position the quarterback because there's I mean you you play a bunch of them in a game do you think that rotation will be somewhat deep this fall or at least early in the season or do you think they'll also know the answer to that question going into the season
3: I I think they need it to be deep I I think you need to be able to rely on more than just you know three or four guys um so the thing about it is, is there's just not a whole lot of depth there period right now. And there's not a ton of separation either. Like you feel good about Cheddar Jackson being one of your key receivers. You would probably feel good about Javarius Johnson being one of your key receivers. And then it's just kind of like, all right, who else? Right. So, you know, it's going to be who emerges, but I think it's not just going to be, well, that's the guy. And what well, we're at three or four. No, like they need a lot of guys and guys are going to play specific roles. Guys are only going to be in, in certain spots and certain situations. Like, You need all of that um, because this is not a crew. I mean, this is not Alabama. This is not Ohio State. This is not a a receiver group where you're like, here's our three best. They're clearly better than everybody else, and we're just gonna roll with them. And even then, those guys rotate a little bit, some as well. So I I think that you know, I think that they they need to be able to like, especially with the fact that you play Mercer and San Jose State your first two games. Like, try these guys out. Like, get see see what they see what they do when you throw them into the fire. Um, because there are guys, for Auburn to have a really good offense this season or to have an offense that's going to be successful enough to win, you know, win more games this year in SEC play, Right? they're going to need a guy or t- I think multiple guys who we have not seen a ton of yet at wide receiver play well, right? So, you know, I, you don't you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. You don't want to pin all your hopes on one or two guys, and I don't think they're going to do that. So you, you didn't make,
2: mention uh, Malcolm Johnson Jr. there, and, th- and that's a guy that, that Harson talked up in his last media availability
3: before A-Day, yeah.
2: and then uh, he impressed me on A-Day. Oh, yeah.
3: Um, yeah, I, I think Tavares Dawson's going to have a big role this year. Sure. It's just those two guys you just haven't seen a ton of, right? Shedry Jackson, the, the production is there, and then Javarius Johnson, the production is there to a degree from last year, and then it's a drop-off. Then <laughs> it's like you're talking about dudes who haven't had double-digit catches, haven't yeah. had very many targets, um, but yeah, Johnson, absolutely. I would think I would put Johnson in there. I am uh, high on, um, on Malcolm Johnson. Also very high on, on, uh, Tavares Dawson as well. Sure. And like Lanny King, like if you keep moving that, that dude's going to play a role. I don't mm-hmm. know what's going to look like. I don't even think they know what it's fully going to look like yet. Yeah. They're going to move him around. They need, they need guys like that. And if a freshman comes up, if a freshman, come, if a Jay, fair Jay fair or a right. Mari Kelly, or yeah, if, if one of those guys can, can jump up and pop in year one, that would be huge for them. Don't need him to be a 30-40 catch guy, but just be somebody that they can, you know, turn to at times during games.
2: I mean, is there a chance that Auburn has, like, I don't know, four or five dudes that all go over 400 yards? Like, that, that, that's kind of the upside. Right? Because like yeah. I don't think any of us see a guy, you know, hitting a thousand yards this year. I personally no, don't. That I, I, you know, I don't. Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of, you know, bold predictions and hot takes and things like that, which which I love. I'm all for that. But I just don't see that happening. Um, so what's the upside as far as like the yardage distribution the, among this unit, you think?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think you, you may have one or two guys that are kinda the key dudes or like the, they, they have a, a, like, I could see it being in tiers. I could think you see one or two guys at this range and then two or three more right under them. And then maybe one or two that, like, I think that's what you're probably going to see more than just, Hey, here's a dude that's going to blow up. If Auburn has a guy who blows up and catches at that for a thousand yards this year, it's like, wow. Okay, great. Like, who is you know, it? If somebody yeah, goes
2: over a thousand yards, who is it? I just, to me, it's Malcolm Johnson just because of the the upside of you know the the big play ability, but yeah, I think it would have a, to
3: be a big play guy. Or yeah. I mean, if it or it's a dude like uh, you know it's a dude like Cheddar Yashner or Javarius Johnson, where it's like you just got the ball a ton because you're the older you're, you're the older dude, you're the more experienced dude. Um, but I think what you're most likely is going to see is you're going to see it spread out. That's going to be the thing for this offense this year. Um, Tank Bigsby is your best player. You're going to find as many ways to get the ball into the hands of Tank Bigsby as possible. But you have. Um, you have no clear, like, superstars at wide receiver. On the flip side, you have a very deep tight end room. So this is going to be popping it around all different places. I think is going to get involved in the receiving game a ton, uh, as well as, you know, what they're going to do, running the ball with those guys. But also, I think they're going to be able to kind of spread it out and pick it around. And I think that could help Auburn in the fact that, you know, you just can't key on one or two guys and you'll be fine. Um, so I think what they've got to do is they've got to develop and it's going to be very game plan centric. I think it's going to be very matchup centric where you've got to find ways to be like, all right, anybody can blow. It's kind of like in basketball, right? It's Mm -hmm. kind of like what, what, what Bruce Pearl's always said about his basketball team. It can be anybody on any given night. I think that's what the football team's got to do with dudes have to catch the ball.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like, have three different guys that have 120 yard games over the course of the season. Like, Mm -hmm. that I I think that would be encouraging for a lot of fans. I think if you gave that option to Auburn fans right now, the vast majority of them would take that.
3: Yeah, because you don't want to be in a situation where you just have one really, really good receiver. Um, One really, really good receiver gets game planned around, like, you know, and and, and can get slowed down against really good defenses. Um, You know, there's only a, a, a very select few college receivers who can, who are kind of matchup proof. And mm-hmm. there's just not one of those on Auburn's roster that we know of. Right. It just, you know, hey, there's very few of those guys period in in college football. Right. Right. All right. So some transfers came in, some guys
2: that we were really excited about, but they took second team reps, a ton of them over spring who breaks out of those positions next. But first I want to tell you about our friends at built bar built bar is the protein bar that looks and tastes like a candy bar. And there's a ton of different things that you can absolutely love about this. But the best thing about Built Bars is they're healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious food for health. With Built Bar, you can have both and it's easy. All you have to do is go to built.com and order now. All Built Bars and puffs are covered 100% in real chocolate. That means with Built Bars you can eat healthy and you can actually enjoy it. At the same time. So go to built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. That is at built.com.
0: It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's com.
2: Justin Ferguson, how can folks check out everything you have going on right now at the Auburn Observer?
3: Yeah, AuburnObserver.com. Click around there. You can kind of get the, a, a look at all of our newsletters that we put out recently do a free podcast as well once a week um on we've been putting those out on Mondays uh yeah this week we had uh I did a story on Jason Jones found out you know did some digging Jason Jones is the biggest defensive lineman in Auburn history he's the really? second heavy he's the second heaviest ever only behind big man Tony Fair and he's tied for the tallest ever um so you put that out on a little nice little chart and it's like oh he's in the top right corner
2: who, um, who is he tied with
3: in uh, in terms of height, there's been quite a few 6'6 six guys um, who have played okay. uh, at at Auburn on the defense line, including. It's funny Auburn's got one of the biggest defensive line, the biggest defensive line they've ever had. You could also say Jeffrey Embaugh would be right up there as well. Okay, um, just you know got about like, fifteen or twenty pounds lighter. So did a story on Jason Jones, uh, did a story on Zep Jasper uh, this week, doing the off kind of deep dives uh, on the players, and then I had a really fun conversation with Matt Brown of Extra Points on Thursday. Where we talked NCAA reform, uh, the future of like scholarships and stuff like that. We talked a lot about NIL. We talked about Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC. And for probably more more people who'd be interested in this, listening to this, uh, we talked about the uh, the EA Sports NCAA football game, um, oh, that, nice. or the college football game, uh, because Matt has got some sources at EA and uh, gave us some info that like I hadn't seen anywhere else. So um, some kind of inside kind of info on on the game, which is still supposed to come out next summer. Um, so you can check all, all that out with a subscription, $6 a month, $60 a year, auburnobserver.com, and then whatever we do gets sent to your email inbox. You either get a newsletter or a podcast pretty much every weekday during the offseason.
2: I can't comprehend how many copies of that game is going to sell. It's, it's going to
3: be insane. It's going to be historic. It's going to be crazy. Yes. It's going to be crazy. I can't wait for it. So oh, no,
2: yeah. I, I have not listened to that yet, but I need to I need to check that out. All right, Jay Ferg. So our next question is from... J.G., and he points out that D.J. James, uh, the transfer corner from Oregon, and Marquise mm-hmm. Gilbert, the JUCO, the top JUCO safety that, that committed yep. to Auburn, they took a ton of second-team reps in the spring and ask us, who do we think will break out in those two specific positions, a so corner and safety? What are your thoughts on those positions?
3: Yeah, so the thing with D.J. James is, you know, you're taking second-team reps because look at the guys ahead of them. Uh, you do bring back... Uh, Nehemiah Pritchett, you do bring back Jalen Simpson. Well, there, those are your two corners, right. or they have been your two corners. Um, and then you have uh, Donovan Kaufman playing nickel and then some safety as well. So, you know, a li- little bit tougher when you're coming in and there are guys who are already established in the spot. Safety is a little bit different. Um, by the way, I think DJ James, like, you need three, four corners, like, no straight up corners to be to be. Then I think James is going to definitely be in that mix. Um, safety is a little different because uh, Zion Puckett was banged up um, uh, during, during camp. And then, like you said, you move Kaufman around, uh, from spot to spot Marquis Gilbert, when talking to Zach Etheridge, uh, in, in the spring, he was like, look, everybody comes along at a different pace. Um, he's going to be fine. It's just, you know, or you, you, you jumping right in. Um, and you know, some of these guys, so at safety, you're looking at, um, you know, Caleb Wooden was kind of the exception to the rule, but he was more second team guy. Um, you had, uh, oh man, I'm blanking on buddy's name. Oh, I feel so bad now because uh, I had it in my head. For the head. safeties? Uh, Caden Bridges. Caden Bridges. Caden Bridges was yeah. getting first-team reps They're like, Whoa, what the heck? Caden Bridges is getting first-team reps. Well, the thing about it is, is Caden yeah. Bridges has had a year in this system. He knows the playbook. And so if you're running out in spring spring practice, just say, all right, get out of here and run this. Mm-hmm. That guy's going to have more. He, he might not have been a big recruit. He He's not a JUCO guy. He might not even play as much football as this dude has, but he has that institutional knowledge that he's able to jump in there. I think Marquis Culver is going to be key, key in that as well. So, um, the thing about it is, is that, and I wrote about this uh, a few weeks ago at the Observer. the 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 top of the line, uh, you know, pretty much a defense. I would say defensive line and and um, edge rusher and and secondary all fit this bill. Your your top level talent, your guys who are stars, all that. Those are all like you know, pretty much not locked in, but like you feel like you know who who they are. The big story in the secondary is that second wave. And no position group had as much change as the secondary did. They went out and got these transfers. They went out and got four-star guys. Like, you know, J.D. Rim had a really good spring. Okay, Austin Osbury is coming in in the summer. He was as highly recruited as, as, as Rim was. Right. Um, so, I think you – you know, when you talk about guys who can break out, it's like you need that second wave to come up because you're going to have to rely on them. You look at, um, you know, snap counts over the years for, for Auburn's defenses. You need about – Three or four corners, and you need about three or four safeties to 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 not just be fill out a two deep, but like play and contribute. Yeah. And so, um, I think those two guys, being dudes who have experience and, and being high high impact, Uh Kiante Scott coming in and, coming in in the summer as well, number one JUCO corner. I think he will be involved in that as well. So, I think you saw some of these younger guys and maybe some of these lesser heralded guys kind of pop up in the spring because they already knew the playbook, and the rest of these guys were kind of get adjusted to it.
2: Right. So when you say, you know, three or four corners, three or four safeties, are you counting the nickel in that as well? Or is that its own Pro- separate thing?
3: Probably you could say because the thing with Auburn and they're gonna keep doing this, um you know, it's, said they're it's Kaufman. Keep doing
2: it. Right. I mean Kaufman's a yeah. safety that, that also well, goes to nickel. Well right? okay well,
3: and and you know, the thing that they did last season um was the nickel is not just a position, right? It used to be in the past when Auburn ran like a base 425, it was like mm-hmm. that's what you do, right? You think of the Rudy Fords and you think it you think of all those dudes that it kind of played. The Easy, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. The mindset of the nickel as uh you know, as Derek Mason said it and we have also heard that, you know, um Jeff Schmetting follows this as well cuz it's going to be similar systems is that sometimes you need your corner to be a your n- nickel to be a third corner. Sometimes you need to be a slot corner. Sometimes you need to be a third safety. And it depends on the situation. It it depends on the down and distance and all that that fun stuff, who you use. So if you need a safety, Donovan Kaufman makes a ton of sense there. But maybe you want more of a corner. Nehemiah Pritchett played a ton on the inside last year because you had Roger and you had had Jalen on the outside. So there might be situations where you see Donovan Kaufman drop back into safety and that nickel is more of a corner And so that could be a DJ James. You could push Nehemiah Pritchett back in there. I mean, you could, they worked out so many dudes. Rim was another guy who played that spot. They worked out so many dudes at that nickel spot because their mindset is, we want a safety who can play nickel and we want a corner to play nickel, right? We don't want it just to be one guy, right? We want it to be situational because some guys are better at some things than others. And so they're going to make it a lot more situational. And they did last year compared to, you're a nickel, this is what you do, um, kind, kind of spot. And I think to me that is a little bit more similar to what they do in the NFL. And I think it's a lot more situational, a lot more package-based football. Um, and I think that's just kind of the mindset. Like we talk about Auburn having a pro style offense now. I think they have a pro style defense as well, too. Good point. Um it's just it's just how it's you know, just how you utilize players is very different than what you did under Kevin Steele and under Gus Malzahn on offense. I used to say the Kevin Steele defense is lethal simplicity. When it worked, man, it worked. Right. But you knew what was coming, right? And so it very, very much relied on technique and having really, really good talent. This defense is more of mixing and matching, changing things up, you know, and doing stuff like that. And we'll see, we'll see, you know, I mean. It no seems one like the talent's th- there too, though. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so No one can sit here and say the Kevin Steele defense wasn't effective, right? It was an awesome defense and it, you know, <laughs> it carried an era for Auburn football. Um, this defense is more of just because you have different philosophies in charge. It's just, this one's a little bit more of scheming and doing stuff like you knew what was coming on a Kevin Steele defense, yeah. right? You knew what was coming and it's still, they still can beat you. This one is more of, you don't know what's coming. Uh, and we're going to use the talent that we have and the depth that we have to take advantage
2: of. It. Uh, I think that's really well put. Justin Ferguson, our guest, We'll dive into what could possibly happen this weekend for the Auburn Tigers in the NFL draft in just a moment. But I want to tell you about our friends at betonline.net as it remains your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. If you like prop bets, there are a ton of prop bets for the draft this weekend. Uh, we can go on and on and on about all the different things that you can wager on over the course of the next few days. Check it all out at BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so full disclosure, we're recording this Thursday afternoon before the first round of the NFL draft. It does not appear that Roger McCreary will be taken. If Roger McCreary is taken, I will do an emergency pod and put that up as well. But for the remainder of the weekend, so Friday night and Saturday all day, um, we're probably going to hear Roger go Friday night and and Zacoby and smoke Saturday. I'm seeing some big boards that have come out in the last 24 hours, that have Zacobi ranked higher than Smoke, which I have not seen throughout mm. this entire draft process. They also listed Zacobi as an edge on several of those, which I don't really see. What's up with that? Um, no. Have you heard any of that? Have you heard him working out as like a, an edge rusher? No, um,
3: it's, it's been box linebacker, from what I. Can <laughs> that's
2: tell. what I've seen too. That's what I've seen too. And so I, I think some people are just kind of clamoring, putting a bunch of stuff together last second because they didn't watch everybody that's okay it's impossible to watch everyone so I get it
3: maybe it's like you're looking at it, it's like oh there he was an outside line but even then he was more of a middle I, I don't know I don't get it
2: <laughs> yeah I don't know how you can look at his stats and be like oh yeah that's an edge player but whatever <laughs> the man the man who had nine million tackles that's edge rusher yep that's right that just screams edge to me whatever whatever but yeah I mean what do you what do you think about these guys as far as you know projecting them into the NFL I mean wh- what are you expecting to see this weekend from an Auburn standpoint
3: it's so ridiculous that if Roger McCreary's arms were a little bit longer, he'd have been a first rounder. That's it. Like that is when the the, the first round talk from McCreary ended as soon as he got measured. Yeah. And Mobile. it was like in yeah. it's hometown he, of all places. And it was like, Oh, his arms are short. And it's like he would uh, I saw something that said it like he would be the shortest armed corner outside corner in the NFL if he played there tomorrow. Um Okay. He p- just played in the SEC and was a great outside corner, right? And yeah. I can see how you know the measurements. Like you know, I, I understand why they why they're all the way they are. But man, the, the man's production speaks for itself. Um, I think I think Roger is an example. And there was a guy who asked me this in the mailbag on Friday. Um, that you know, like why are guys dropping? Like why does Auburn have guys dropping? It's like look, it's look at the size, look at the measurements. You know, mm-hmm. you think about some dudes who were really really good for Auburn those middle linebackers that Auburn's had it's like they're just small or they're you know they're 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 heck of football a heck of a good football players I mean they are awesome football players but the NFL is not going to fall in love with that especially if you can go draft freak show somewhere else and think okay maybe the the because it's a it's a you know it's a it's a traits game at the next level yeah um so I mean yeah it, it's ridiculous I think Roger you know I think Roger's just as good as a lot of that, like that second tier corners. Once you get past the sauce gardeners and the um, Derek Stingley's like, oh, it's, man, put Roger in there, man. Look, look what he did. Yeah. Um, very curious to see what happens with this, with the Again, if he was a little bigger, I think we're talking about a completely different kind of guy. Sure. In the draft process. But I am the opinion that especially if you get into day three draft, good football players and let them play football. You know, don't don't overthink it. Um, Smoke's a very interesting case as well. I do wonder, I do wonder if Smoke is going to get the Jamie and Sherwood treatment at the next level where it's like, maybe we see you more as a linebacker. Maybe we see you more as a sub package guy. And look, Jamie was gonna be that guy before he got hurt uh in New York this past yeah, year. Yeah, he won the starting um, job. Yeah. Right. I think I think that would be a good spot for Smoke to be. Um, and it's just gonna be a matter of just take a chance on him and, and find a role. Cause I think Neither of those guys you're going to sit there and say day one start or anything like that. They're going to have to develop into roles, but find roles for them because they're really good football players. And you look at in the course of their careers at Auburn, they were really good players on really good defenses in the toughest conference in college football against the toughest schedule in college football. That should speak a lot before you go in and say, well, there's a linebacker who's a little bit bigger, a little bit longer, who played, you know, division two. And it's like, okay, but like, has he ever played anybody that's athletic? Like, has he ever right. played any really good football player? And so that's where I think Auburn might have might be interesting. And then I'm just curious to see, like, who, you know, could there be a fourth? Could somebody yeah. just take a flyer on someone? Yeah, that, my
2: next question. If you had if I told you, okay, four Auburn guys get drafted, it was a three that we discussed just now, and then a fourth, who who do you think it is?
3: I would say the fourth would be Demetrius Robertson. Yeah, here's why: former five star, uh, tested fairly well, I think, and you know at pro day, um, he's got some special teams versatility, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I think it's just like if you're just going to be like, maybe this dude has something. Like he's he's gonna he's he's old, <laughs> he's old for this draft class. Uh, he's got uh he's he's got all that. he's got that special teams versatility, and we know that when he was healthy he was awesome um you know coming out of high school i could see them being like yeah four or five star but those like you think about the seventh round guys sixth and seventh round guys five stars who didn't necessarily pan out in college like people expected them to for injuries or whatever reason that towards the end is usually where somebody get like they will they will yeah. pick one out you know that the byron cowards the um let's see trenton thompson got picked i think around that that range a couple years ago so like it wouldn't surprise me to see D Rob get that shot I and mean, just somebody my seventh round pick roll a dice take him to camp and see if they they can stick and because I mean I think he could be he could be a valuable guy for you if uh, if, if you put him in the right spot.
2: Broderis Ham is interesting to me. Yeah, um, just I would love just got... see
3: I would love to see Broderis get, get drafted. Me
2: too. And and I, I mean, he surprised some folks when he when he declared. He at least surprised me because uh, the rest of the O line came back. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe he heard some good news. You know, maybe there was something there. Um, But he's got the size, and, you know, we've talked about traits a ton. I think he has some of them. Uh, Very, very raw, but if a team kind of has room for an extra offensive lineman, I think he makes sense.
3: Yeah, and I I go back to he did not play on as good of lines as, as these two guys I'm about to mention. Okay. But I see... You know, Prince Tagovailoa get drafted, and I see uh, Jack Driscoll get drafted. I'm like, yeah, Broderius Ham. Like to me, Broderius Ham was that one guy on Auburn's offensive line, even in the ups and downs, where you're like, that dude's doing his job more often than not, and okay. like is doing it pretty well. Um, you know, I think that you know Ham. He, you know, I'm not a, I'm not an evaluator of offensive line talent, but I was like, look, if 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 you're taking a chance on 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 guys late to see who could stick. A guy with good size that played in the SEC at the, on the offensive line makes a lot of sense to Yeah, I'll
2: take it. I'll take it. Justin, one more time. How can folks find you, hear you, read you, support you, all that stuff?
3: AuburnObserver.com. $6 a month or $60 a year. Uh, mailbag out today. Podcast uh, throughout the week. You can listen to our new podcast. It'll probably be up on Monday morning.
2: Awesome. Awesome.
3: And we will be back
2: Monday morning to recap the NFL draft. Can Auburn baseball pull off a miracle in Knoxville? We'll talk about it all on Monday's Locked on Offer.
1: See ya!
0: The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked on College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked on College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network.